Welcome to the Finance Geeks podcast with Paul Cluworth and Warren Shute. Two financial planners shoot the breeze while sharing tips for making the most of your money and living your best life. Expect a lot of laughs and genuine insights that might just transform the way you look at your finances. Remember to follow, like, and subscribe to the show. And now over to the geeks in the studio. But they are not in a studio. They are geeks in their own office. Episode number two of the Finance Podcast. My name's Warren Shute. I'm here with the lovely Paul Cluerth. Paul, how are you today? I'm good. Yes, as always. Yes, very good. Thank you for asking. How are you? Are you happy? I'm, I'm always happy, Warren. Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, most of the time for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm a happy person. Anyone who knows me will tell very you that. Good. It's uh, well, it's the topic of today's show, right? Yes, secrets to a happy life. That's right. We're going to be getting into it, and uh, we talk to our clients all the time about their lives. And uh, the word happiness doesn't often come up. Um, and as I was saying to you earlier on, uh, before we started recording, that you know, that a lot of people don't ask you if you're happy, you know, and I think perhaps they should. Um, so, so, but it's, I definitely am I'm keen to make sure that the clients I work with are happy. So whether I ask them directly or, or whether I sort of skirt around the edges, one way or another, you can usually tell with their, uh, you know, body language and their tone. But, um, you know, I, I try to make them happy, you know, with my, uh, I'm sure they're, with my personality. I'm sure they're happy. I'm sure they're happy working <laughs> they're with ecstatic. you. They're ecstatic. Why would they not be? Of course. <laughs> So what have you been up to? So uh, it's been a busy, well, weekend just gone. Um, I think in the previous podcast, I told you I was training for the fan dance, but uh, just Sunday just gone, the 28th of January, I, I did the fan dance again, the winter fan dance uh, in uh, the Brecon Beacon. So it was tough. The conditions were were pretty were pretty hard this time. I, I don't mind, you know, uh, the cold or, or the rain or anything like that, but it was very, very foggy and limited visibility. It was cold and it was very windy as well. It was 55 miles an hour on the top. So, um, wow. yeah, 15 miles up and over Penny Van uh, twice. And, um, you know, it's an SAS selection course. It, it is difficult to do. I was wearing about 20 kilograms on my back and I did it in four hours 40. So I did it in the... So what, how, does, how does that compare to your summer one? So that one was four hours 21. Um, and I'm not surprised okay. that I did it. It was a bit slower. I don't think the the... It wasn't, uh, I wasn't, I didn't go to do it faster this time. I actually just wanted to go and get round, in all honesty. I think that I've, I'm going to, if I do it again next summer in August, I, I do want to get under the four hour mark because I like pushing myself, you know? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so that was good. Um, other things, uh, my, I'm very pleased to say that my eldest son, uh, Miles, has been accepted into the ADX karting, the next stage of it. There was about 58 kids and he was number 11. And so it was a sort of wild, wow. a wild card. So he's, he's delighted. And then it's typical, isn't it, that the next round of testing is, uh, is half term in February. And we're away on both days because it's the, it's the, the 18th and the 25th. And we're supposed to be going to Abu Dhabi. So we're trying to work out whether we can change the dates of our holiday or come back early or something. Um, yeah. So, uh, but he's, he's pleased. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fantastic. It's his dream oh, to be a Formula One driver. I wonder how many of our listeners get involved with karting and stuff like that. It's, well, I've got a client who does like Formula Three, I think it is really? racing. Oh, that's impressive. Yeah, that's impressive. but um, yeah, not to me. I have no idea what it's about. But uh, <laughs> well, the, I'm not the best advisor yeah. for him. I have no idea about cars. I'm terrible. Well, the, but um, what, how many of our listeners do actually karting and racing and stuff? It'd be interesting to know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, 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 so a couple of other things that I've been up to because uh, you did ask, and I'm going to ask you in a minute. Um, 
I, uh, I, we've been doing a lot of 3D printing in our house. I, our youngest boy, who's nearly nine, uh, Rory, he's, he got a 3D printer for Christmas. He wants to print something for every child in his class. So it's, I think it's 22, 23 Aww. things. So they're all like anchors, cats, sweet. dinosaurs, you know, rabbits, elephants, all this sort of thing. So. It's very kind of him. He must really fall off his mum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah. But the generosity <laughs> comes comes through as well, absolutely. Um, and uh, that's about it, really. I don't know. I've been, it's been end of the uh, end of January. It's very busy for us because we send out our trails bulletin, our winter bulletin. So that's been been busy doing that as well recently. Um, hey, listen. What about you? What have you been up to? Um, not as much as you. Not as much as you. Um, January's that, that kind of month. It's not my favourite month, if I'm honest. Yeah, I'm a summer guy. I like the nice weather. So um, I kind of just get my head down in January and just work. But I'm really pleased to say my beautiful daughter, who's um, 16, 17 in a couple of weeks, has just had her braces off, bless her heart, today oh, yeah. after about four years. Really? So, uh, yeah, 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 I know. Really long time. Really long time. And it's very odd because I know I remember when I went, it was like a fixed fee. Very nice um, orthodontist, but he just did a fixed fee charge. And he said, trust me, you'll be pleased you paid the fixed fee. And the number of visits she had, I am very, very pleased. Yeah, yeah, and just bands and everything else. Wow. So, um, yeah, so that's been good, which is nice. Um, it's lovely. I'm a big family man. I love the fact that as I'm getting older, my children get older, it's expanding. So my son has got a long-term girlfriend, Izzy, and she was 20 um, last week, and okay. we celebrated her birthday, which was lovely. So it's like having like another member of the family um, in the crew. Very good. And uh, we had big big celebrations with that, which was uh, fantastic. And they, uh, yeah, had a really good time. But apart from that, a bit of work, you know, still stressing at work, bit busy time of year. And um, I think I mentioned last time, a bit low on staff at the moment, yes. with various different things. But um, that will sort itself out. But um, how, yeah, how, how are you going to recruit? Are you going to go to recruitment agents? Are you going to sort of push it through people you know? Or? Uh, so I've put out on um, LinkedIn and we've gone to an outsource company. So we outsource quite a bit already. So we use an outsource power planning firm, uh, Parafinity, which I highly recommend. I absolutely love them. We've been with them probably now for over 10 years. And uh, we've outsourced some admin work in the past. And I was just looking on in, on um, social media and I found a lady and had a chat to her and did a bit of you know, a few reference checks and things. And we started using her for some simple stuff, very good. which is really very good. good. It's, it's a role, it's my PA's role who's left, my PA. So it's a role that's very um, replaceable, very quite easily. Yeah. Um, so it's not as if it's a power plan or a technical role that they need industry knowledge. Um, it's diary work, sending the emails out, checking my diary, checking my emails, that kind of thing. Right. So, um, but hey, when it's not done, it falls back on me. Yeah. And I don't like that. So <laughs> I need to get that problem solved. So we're talking about happiness. Uh, and then you said, you know, you're working really hard. And then you also said that yeah. you don't like working too hard because it gives you stress. And that means you're not happy. Wow, it's all come full mm. circle. You need to solve the problem yeah. and get an extra staff. Yeah. yeah. Abs- absolutely. No, de- definitely will. Definitely will. Paul, what's hot off the press this week? So I shall tell you what I think is hot off the press, or at least some of the stuff that I've been looking at. Um, It gives a a little bit of a timestamp to this uh, episode. Um, So as you know, this is only the second episode, so we've been setting up uh, some of the social media accounts. Uh, We've got, I think, eight followers on Twitter, or X now. I know. uh, So it's it's at the Finance Geeks for anybody who wants to bother looking. I think there's one post. It's just a picture of you and I. That's it. (laughs) 
got, <laughs> just go there to see that one post. And we've got 10 followers on Instagram and it's Finance Geeks Podcast. Um, so I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm not sure. Thanks for do- hey, genuinely, thanks for doing that. You were hot <laughs> off the press and just got it sorted. So that's pretty good. Yes. It, I don't know if, if, if people are listening and have never done a podcast before. There's lots of groundwork that has to go in to get things up. And when you're in the early stages, it's a little bit clunky. In, but we know what we're talking about. We're, we're tried and tested and things will just get smoother. But um, yeah, thanks so much for doing that. I appreciate it. No worries. No worries. So other things that, uh, I mean, just today, um, just uh, finance-wise, uh, interest rates stayed at five and a, 5.25%. And the sort of latest, because it comes up in conversations with clients, of course, in relation to their, to their mortgage and what's going on uh, in their lives um, and what, you know, what rate you get in the bank and that sort of thing. But um, it looks like uh, the earliest is going to be the end of the year. Um, again, it's all projections, isn't it? It's all very difficult to tell. Um, I mean, none of us have a crystal ball, but uh, um, the other big thing is, of course, the the, um, uh, the budget's coming up on the 6th of March. Um, so I'm quite conscious of it. We've just bought um, the, the the guide from Goldmine Media, uh, quite like quite like that. They brand it for us. Um, comes out. You send, that, you send that out to your clients. We, do you? we send it out to them. I, I, you know, I, on the one hand, you don't. You think, is it important because they're going to read it in the paper? And I want to do it because I think it's definitely part of what what we do. We talk about allowances, <laughs> tax rates, and things like that. Uh, and one of the jobs of a good financial advisor is to save their clients uh, tax. It's not just accountants that, that do that. And so we send it out. I think it looks good. It's another touch point. Um, but I was interested that the the, um, uh, the Institute of Financial Studies have, have, have done some some obviously lots and lots of tests, and um, they've seen that, that in the UK now this year it's estimated that that the tax rate is the equivalent of thirty seven percent. You know, in terms of all the taxes as to what people actually pay. I mean, it's the highest that it's been since World War Two. I think it's it's crazy. Um, I don't. Know. I, I can't believe it's, it's that low, if I'm it's honest. A, it's the tax rate as a percentage of national income uh, is going to be 37%. Right. And it was 33% in 2019. So it's not as if, you know, Jeremy Hunt's got a lot of, he can't just cut taxes like he might want to. It's, it's just not going to be that easy. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see what's going to happen in the budget. We did a- promise not to talk politics on this show. So don't give me any two carrots. <laughs> I don't need two um, but but I, I tell you a statistic that I included in a recent uh, um, in our Trails Winter Bulletin, which I I found quite interesting, um, was about the Super Seven. So it used to be um, the Fangs, Facebook, Alphabet, Amazon, uh, Netflix, and uh, uh, Google. Yes, and Google. Uh, yeah, Google. that's right. And the S was nothing; it was just Google at the end. And now they call the Super Seven, and so it's Amazon, Apple, Alphabet, Meta, obviously was Facebook, Microsoft, Nvidia, and Tesla, and they went up as a, a you know those those seven companies seventy four percent in two thousand twenty three. So the point is 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 that you know you can't avoid being part of these companies if you're invested in a global equity firm, and 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 it's just unfathomable as to how big some of these are. You know they make up nearly eighteen percent of the sort of equity exposure in the entire world. Um, and and although they're trading quite high at the moment, about thirty to one uh, uh, PE ratio. You know you and I talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago that. Uh, you know, they're just responsible for so much stuff, the software um, developments, um, you know, scientific breakthroughs, AI, you know, and we use them every day. I mean, Microsoft have just become the biggest company in the world, haven't they? Nearly just over three trillion. I mean, the numbers are just beggar belief. Um, and with, with my, Microsoft's ownership or part ownership of um, uh, ChatGPT, OpenAI company, in the development of uh, AI software, 
you know, the future's looking bright. I, I'm very excited about what the, you know, what's going to happen in NVIDIA with the processors of the AI machines that are developing it. Yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. It's very, very exciting. Very, very exciting. My son's most excited about Apple's release of these new um, VR headset things. They're expensive. Got. I've got the They're really expensive, actually. I've got the... Uh, I've got, yeah, I know. I mean, it, I've seen the videos yeah. on YouTube of what they can do. And if you're, if you're an Apple fanboy, you know, you can... And you want to spend that money on it you can theoretically work with it and see extra things while you're working and have things pop up um and it interlinks with all the all the phone and everything else but i think the 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 oculus quest i bought the series two or three before the latest one and it was about 300 quid three or 400 quid yeah. my, my children yeah. wear yeah, it and use it and it's it's, it's amazing they are amazing it's good yeah, yeah. good fun yeah good fun. i put up, I, I put up my dad who's 98 and he did a tour over the Alps flying a thing of it, and he absolutely loved it. He was like this, looking around, wow. nothing else. So, yeah, it's pretty special. It's pretty amazing yeah. stuff. And, yeah. Um, yeah, no. Hey, well, i got to say, I was pretty impressed with what I read this. Costco, you know, the retailer, yeah. the wholesale retailer, uh, sold a jaw-dropping $100 million worth of one-ounce bars of gold last quarter. Now, I just can't get over that. That was just 100. That is market moving sort of territory, isn't it? I think they could really have an influence on the gold market um, and change it. Why? Why do you think they were selling so much? Uh, well, again, it's just a, a subjective, but um, I think people think that it's that it's um, a little. They're investing their money in, in this little asset, and mm. that when times are tough. Maybe they feel that the economy's in a tough place or that uh, they want to save a bit more and they want to buy something that they think will augment in value. But the fact that it's tangible as to buying a, an exchange-traded commodity fund, um, yeah. you know, you can buy in Abu Dhabi and Dubai bars of gold and you can buy Krugerrands and you can... But, but we don't... I, I agree. But it's not really a... Gold isn't really an investment as such it's a, because it doesn't generate an income. And, uh, you know, you could... There's There's a lot of statistics out there and there's a lot of people who would say well if you've got a big pot of money put five percent in gold for example but it's it's at one of the highest points that it, it's been for a long time i think it's about two thousand dollars a try ounce it's either at an all-time high so it, people maybe fear yeah. that i think it's recession that it might stay high i don't know or continue to go up i think it's the amazon effect i think it's convenience yeah i think it was just convenient you shop there you think oh, okay let's buy a few ounces of the gold bar Let's put it in our trolley and I'll get it shipped home <laughs> and it's nice and easy. But um, I've got a silver bar uh, my wife bought me. I was looking around the office. It used to be in my office. I think it's at home now. Uh, that's quite cool. But I'd probably buy one just for, you know, I can't swear on the podcast, but just for fun. Hey, what color's your uh, wedding ring? Because this will tell us how old you are. Is it is it gold? Yes, yeah, a silver <laughs> gold one. Yeah, silver <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that's uh, uh, straight from the 80s. Yeah. No, it's, uh, <laughs> flat, flat, platinum, yeah. So uh, what's the um, main focal point for today? What are we going to talk so about? We've, you and I have been talking about uh, um, uh, the sort of order of, of, of what main feature point, main focal points, main topics that we would discuss. And, you know, I'd suggested after the last one that we did, when we were talking about planning uh, for 2024 and how we go about doing that, that we should bring in the concept of happiness and talk about what actually makes a happy life and the secrets to happiness. And so... Um, you know, it's, it's a, it is a topic that's, that I'm personally very interested in because, um, when you, when you put it, you know, put everything together and you think, right, well, I'm, I'm in a financial plan, I'm trying to help my clients, you know, it's all well and good having them build their pots of money, 
But then you ask yourself, well, what is it all for? You know, and, and actually, surely the purpose of life is to be happy. Um, and you then you think makes you ask the question, well, well what determines happiness and, and how, how can I be happier? And so it is a discussion I have with lots of my clients. I, do, do you do the same? Do you actually talk to them about their own happiness and, and um, their feelings? I think, yeah, I, I think I probably approach it slightly differently, but I think I do. I, I approach it more about you know, what's really important to them. Yeah, because I carry the belief that if you have a directed mind, if you have something that you're aiming towards a purpose, intentional, then you genuinely be living a happy life. And that's what I try and get my clients to do is still say, you know, what's the outcome? You know, how do we want to spend the rest of our life? You know, I have this expression, precious time is running out. You miss enough moments in life. You miss life itself. You know, what is it we want to try and do? So we really try and get our clients to focus on habits and behaviors that will lead them to meet their outcomes their values um and in my coaching program i talk to the guys about values and stuff and we're not scratching the surface not very we're not superficial we're deep dive you know it's like so many people say oh you know what's important to you about money and they write down an answer and they'll ask another one and oh great and they'll move on and there's a famous book written for financial planners about values-based financial planning and the guy says what's important to you about money and you'll get a response and then they'll say what's important to you about that response and you get it you know what's wrong with that that response and you go down a rabbit hole in in my world that's not how you ask values-based questions it's done incorrectly he sold a billion books but it's still done incorrectly um, you ask what's important to you about money and you stick with that line. What is important about your money? And you go deeper by asking the same question. Um, and then you get from people really answers. And it goes back to what we were talking about off air that they don't open up is often, you know, they, they'll sort of tell you a few lines and they'll tell you what's really important and get them to spend more time doing the things that's important to them. I believe that's what brings them happiness. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so I think what we should do is perhaps try and, you know, define what happiness is, or at least talk about the what determines happiness. Because um, in these the well-being just t- uh, tandem talks that I've been doing, um, and as I'm, I'm trying to get to a point where we get six to eight of them, where we talk about different types of well-being, um, you know, we part of it is is a discussion of happiness. And um, there was a there's a lady called Sonia Libomirsky who who did some research into into this you know it's proper empirical research it was a, a paper written in 2005 and uh, I'm not sure I believe this I mean you, you know but and I talked to my wife about this this morning um, but but the suggestion is that that 50 of your happiness is determined by your biology by your genetics so so yeah. you, which I think okay maybe maybe that's do I believe that. 10% is the life circumstances, the here and now, you know, your, your, your job, your money, you know, what, everything as it is in the present. And 40% of it is, is your intentional activity. It's your sort of view on the future. And so the, the whole concept is, is, is that you can, you can, you shouldn't worry about the thing, the 10%, which you can't control as much, but you can control your attitude in terms of how you look uh, to the future. And you were just saying then, you know, uh, have some kind of structure, form habits, you know, have a, have a goal. If you've got something to work towards, you know, when you then get li- the closer to it, you can sort of, you know, feel that, that type of happiness. You can, you can praise yourself. You can say, oh, okay, this is great. I've actually achieved something. And I think I've, I have a good day when I've, I've written down a list of things to do and I get stuff done. If I've been constructive, it's one of the things that makes me happy. You know, I think, oh, good, I've had a good day there. I'm, I'm quite happy about that. Um, you, you, you spoke, you spoke about the habits of that. And I believe that you can't really control your future, 
but you can control your habits yeah. and your habits will dictate your future. So it's more about focusing on what you're doing and is it take you in the direction that you want to give you happiness. Um, but rather than wait for that moment to arrive, try and enjoy the journey. Um, oh, you know, yeah. Smell the roses. Yeah, definitely. And that comes down to the, the very concept of mindfulness, which is something I'm not sure I like the expression that much, but I, I understand the concept. It's a, it's 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 rather than worrying about all the things that you can't control you know focus on on what you can control and and when it comes to mindfulness just sort of uh think about the small things you know i mean the the fact that it's a nice day you know that we're not in a war zone you know that you've got food on <laughs> yeah, the table true. that uh yeah. you've got air in your lungs you know that you've got hopefully a, a partner and if you've got children you just think okay oh, this is good these are these are small things you know arguably <laughs> But it, it's not about how much you have. It's not, I don't, it, there's a lot of people that would say that, that I'll be happy when I get this. No, when I get the big house, just, when I get the promotion it, and they defer it, happiness. They do, but do you know what? I think it's easy to say that when you're sat in a nice house and you've got a bit of money in the bank. Okay. I'll point, be honest. Point taken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's like money brings a certain, I don't, I, my belief, okay, I don't care really what anyone else thinks, but my belief is money brings a certain level of happiness and my clients want to make sure they protect that and grow that money so they can pass it down to their kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, I think, I think, you know, in today's society, you do need an element of money. You, you um, do, and there's been, you, there's been studies done on this very thing. In, in Brian Portnoy's The Geometry of Wealth, I know it's a, a book that you didn't like so much, you told me, but I think it, it, it's, it's a good book. You know, he runs a company called Shaping Wealth and, and he, and he, he talks about a study that was done in terms of how much money you need to sort of have, have all the basics. And I think in dollars, it's something like about 70,000 or $75,000. And he said, you know, getting more money above and beyond that doesn't necessarily make you happier on an exponential basis. You've just got to have a certain amount, but I agree. You, it's difficult to be sort of super ecstatic about everything. And oh, I'm, I'm over the moon if you're in a, a tough position financially. So, yeah. um, you know, you, you do ask yourself, there are, there are people that, and clients that I work with and people that I know, and it's actually there's multimillionaires, actors, and, and people who have got a lot of money where they're not necessarily happy. They're troubled, stressed mm -hmm. people. And then there's there's, there's, some, there's kids in, in Africa with nothing, and yet they're smiling, playing football with a bare feet. Yeah. And, and, and so it's, it can't just be about what you have materially. Um, Great. You know, so there's, there's other concepts of happiness that we should discuss further. It's um. So how do we? How do you bring it out with your clients? How do you? And, you know, if you're listening as a financial planner, you ask yourself the question: How do you bring out you know happiness in your own clients? So how do you do it? Yeah. So so it's interesting. Yeah. You know, when I I want to make them feel a certain way. I want to I want to make them feel respected. I want to make them feel safe, and I want to develop the trust and the integrity, and you know, make sure that they're the way that they feel when they come to see me or when I'm chatting to them that it's. Uh, it's 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 a uh, circle of trust you know they can tell me anything that i'm acting in their best interest you know and that uh, that we're actually together trying to get to a point we're trying to progress you know whether that's building their pot of money or working towards a certain goal which is achieving financial freedom and so it, it's one of the first questions that people ask you when they come to see you you know it's a traditional thing how are you we said that in the beginning what we said what you've been up to but we but the how are you is what you'd ask people and Without even saying anything, a lot of people, without even thinking about it, a lot of people just say, yeah, I'm all right. And then you can tell when you have meetings with people based on the way that they look, um, the way that they speak to you, the way that they act. It's all this body language. You know, this, yeah. this, you, you observe it. And if I noticed that a client I was working with was stressed or they were worried about something, I would ask, how can I help? You know, because that's ultimately what I think that I'm there to do. I'm there to serve my clients. And, to, and so although it's tricky, 
because you don't want to bring in a financial meeting too much emotion into it. Um, you, you know, if you're looking out for your client, you want to see if there's anything you can do. And, and it's, if it's to do with something I can control, so for example, they're uh, stressed about money or they're not saving enough or there's worries, it's trying to, to pivot and, and to, to, to focus on something else, you know, about doing the best job that they can. Or if you observe that their job is just not, is the cause of all their stress and anxiety, is giving them ideas and options to say, well, you know, quit your job then, do something else if that's a feasible option. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's always part of the I discussion. Think- I think that's a really important point. As a financial planner, you're able, you're in a very privileged position to show clients options and solutions. And I, over the years, have seen dozens and dozens of unhappy people in their jobs and just be able to show them that this is an option. This is a choice. We have a couple of clients who spring to mind. Um, and I, 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 I'll say it anyway. Um, he, he was a tough client. He was, he was a real tough client. I never really bonded to him, but his wife was absolutely delightful. And I carried the, the, the belief system that, you know, he can't be that bad really to be married to this lovely lady. All right. She wouldn't put up with it. He must be a good guy deep down. Anyway, so I worked with him. I worked with him and worked with him. And eventually what I realized that he was just incredibly stressed in his job. He just wasn't happy. Um, so we were able to fortunately arrange it. So he retired. So he's now retired. Um, he's probably lost about four stone in weight. Really? Um, he does loads. Yeah. He does loads of charity work. Um, and they are a delight to work with both of them. And I think that's why well, financial the, planning. What was the I, point where he decided to change that when he, when he left his job? To show that he, to, that I was able to show them that he could. Oh, okay. Very good. That makes sense. Yeah. I think a lot of the time it's belief that I don't believe I, I can retire. And, you know, um, I, I, I mock a lot of books that I read of that, but Lee Eisenberg, the number, yeah. um, I yeah. love, I really rate that as a book. It's a fantastic book. And just to show people, you know, what's your number? How much money do you need to not have to worry about money for the rest of your life? Yeah. You know, to live the lifestyle that you've designed. Um, and to show people that, you know, we do it in our cash flow to show people that is really impressive. And for him, that's what he needed. I think she was already on board, but that's what he needed to see. Okay, I am going to be okay. Yeah. I'm all right. And now he's a completely different person. You wouldn't recognize him both physically and personally. Yeah, yeah it's lovely. But, but I've had exactly the same thing on multiple times. And, and you know, clients are, are in this position where they're a certain of age. Um, when, you, when you see them, they've got a certain amount of debt. Uh, they earn a certain amount. And, and as the advisor, you're trying to look at everything impartially. Look at their, their cash flow. Look at their fat fine. And then because you see, you've seen lots of examples of these, you think, well, okay, can I, can I observe this person? Can I uh, imagine them being financially independent? Is it going to work? Have they got enough? You know, and what are the, you're always thinking about options and ideas. So, uh, for example, you, you know, there's this term which I quite like, which is the, the, the a lot of people today are in the velvet gutter. You know, they're, they're in the velvet gutter because they might earn good money, but they've got a big mortgage, kids at private school, you know, an expensive car, a big, more, you know, we've got uh, finance outstanding. And they live a certain lifestyle. And then when it comes down to it, a lot of the time they're trying to keep up with the Joneses. You know, it's a bigger house. It's a fancier car. And yet when you actually have a, a grown-up conversation to say, let's talk about how much you actually need, you know, based on uh, uh, your lifestyle goals, but also, you know, just the, to, to run the house where you're going to live um, and to, to put food on the table and to pay the bills. Because if you know the, the very minimum that you need, and then you add some on for R&R and fun times and holidays, and then, you, and then you say, well, actually, I don't need to be earning £200,000 a year if that's what they're earning now in retirement, you know, because the debt will be paid off, the kids will have left, you know, they might have downsized, 
but they get to a point where you, you work out with them how much is enough, this exact concept. And then we've got clients that have been working, working, working. They don't realize they can stop, as you just pointed out, because they haven't done the numbers. They can't visit. They're too scared of an income not coming in. And so um, when you can show people that they're going to have enough, that they won't run out of money, that sometimes they'll be better off not working than working, bizarrely, um, and starting to draw an income. It's, it's a tremendous, you've done a good job. It's, a, a, it's very pleasing. that That's the reward, ultimately, of doing a great job for your client. And I think for the client, that's really what they're aiming for, that clarification of saying, okay, I now know either I no longer have to work again or I now know what I need to do yes. so I never have to work again. And for me, that's the starting block. That's the, that's like a given. We get to that stage. That's where the given is. Then it's like, okay, right, now, how do you really want to live the rest of your life? Yeah. Now you'd have to worry about it. Take that, breathe out, take off your shoulders. Now, how do you really want to live the rest of your life? What is it that you haven't yet done that you've always wanted to do? Yeah. You know, what did you always dream that you were going to do? And we just had one guy last week um, ring me up, um, said, right, okay, Warren, he, he was very nervous retiree. Um, and he was basically, we encouraged him to take a sabbatical. That was the way he was going to do it. Um, so he took a sabbatical, managed to live off the income that we agreed or actually below that. Um, so he's now, now retired. And I said to him, look, before you go and hand in your notice on Monday, do me a favor, just plan out, just sketch out the next 18 months. Just write down what you're going to do, when you're going to do it. Now you don't have to stick to this plan, but when you think, oh my God, I should be working. I've got nothing to do. You can look at it and think, oh no, no, I've got all these things that I haven't yet done. And it'll just give you some motivation to carry on your retirement. And I think that's really important. People should go into their retirement years or financially free period with as much aim and enthusiasm as they did with their career. You know, we go into our career, we get exams, we get qualified, we work hard. They should do the same with their yeah. retirement plans too. There's uh, statistics out there that show that people in their 60s are at their happiest. And I think it's because they've uh, got that it. Right. Yeah, because they've got, you can, you, a lot of kids are happy, aren't they? If they've got a happy upbringing, they're no responsibility, they can be, you can be happy when you're young for sure. And I know that there's people that are not, don't have happy childhoods, but in general, a lot of kids are generally happy. And then you think um, the next real time when people can be, uh, or well, again, statistically are, are very, very happy is when they've got no stress, the mortgage is gone, perhaps the kids have left the nest, perhaps they're into their, their second life, which is what we refer to as retirement. But, you know, it's, it's, you, I can understand that that's the case. You've got to uh, remember that you've got to allow yourself to stop. You've got to make the decision if you're in a position financially to stop work and, and then do something else with your life, you know, and have that sense of purpose and meaning to your life. I mean, all of that's incredibly important rather than be the person who used to do something. You know, you're now just doing the next things that you've been putting off for all, all this time, whether it's uh, learning how to be a carpenter or working in a charity or traveling the world or whatever it is that you've now got time to mm. do. So I, I can understand how people can be super happy in the 60s. And this isn't to say you can't be happy in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s and so forth. But just saying it, it comes with stress, family, mortgage, job, career development. You've got to get over the stress part of that. I was excited when you said that because I thought, well, do you know what? I've got another decade to come before I get really happy. So uh, Even happier. You know, it, it away, baby. <laughs> you know, what you're saying is we quote Dan Sullivan a lot. I think some of the writings he's done, he's a, a coach, runs a company called Strategic Coach. Um, I've never been on his program, but I've read loads of his work. Um, and he has a phrase, something along the lines of, make your vision, your future, bigger than your past and your memories. Yeah. Um, and I think that's true. I think, you know, what you're saying there is have a plan of what you're going to do. It's like I was saying to this guy, like, what's your, what's your 18 months going to look like? Let's have some kind of plan. Let's live intentionally, have a vision of what it looks like, um, so that we can have some excitement going there. Um, 
was, I was working with a divorcee just this week and uh, it's an amicable divorce, but she's very, very upset. And I was trying to explain to her that your vision of the future includes your husband and your, and your son and stuff and your happy family. And now that's been smashed, that's been broken away. And your fear is that you just can't see what your future looks like. And I spent some time with her trying to build a vision for her future of what it looks like so that she can feel a bit more comfortable. It's not gonna happen overnight. I don't expect it to go from being brokenhearted to euphoric overnight, but just to start making plans of what her future looks like. Um, and that's the beauty of our job as a financial planner. You know, it's, it's, we get to help people retire, help people overcome certain things and, you know, create these visions of the future. Oh, it's, a, so it's a privilege. It's absolutely a privilege. And, and that's, as you say, that's uh, the, the reward. Uh, everyone's a bit different and, and uh, talking to them about real life with, with the benefit of having chatted to hundreds, if not thousands of clients about these things as well. So there is that, that sense of uh, experience, you know, chatting to others. And, and, and this is not to say that, that we are, you know, the oracle on this subject of happiness at all. So let's just put that straight out there. But, you know, I'm, I'm interested in the concept of what makes one happy. Going back to this, this whole point of what happiness means, I think we could agree that it so, probably means something different to, to, to everybody. Everybody, it means something different to different people. Yeah. Um, but but when, you, when you look into happiness, I mean, there's, there was a study done by... Um, well, it's, it's a Harvard experiment. It's been done for 85 years. And the, the general chap there is Robert Waldinger. And he's written a you know a couple of books and so forth. But the, this Harvard study talks to all past graduates um, of, of Harvard and alumni. And uh, regardless of what they earn or what they do, you know, it goes through a massive questionnaire, a survey to ask people um, and to find out how they're, how they're doing. And it tried to, tries to work out, you know, what uh, determines happiness. And... Contrary to what you might think, it's not career achievement or money or exercise or healthy diet. It, it, the, the conclusion is always that positive relationships keep us happier, healthier, and help us live longer. And so it's the quality of the relationships you have with others is what they're saying is that is a true, you know, route to happiness. Um, and I, I, I mean, I, it's, it's definitely important because when you think about it, we've, we've, you know a lot of people, I know a lot of people, but at the same time, I don't have a huge amount of people in my sort of little circle, you know, my wife, my kids, my family who live remote, you know, quite far away from me. So I'm thinking, okay, well, if I'm, um, uh, if my relationship's good with my wife, my kids and my community, and certainly with my staff, because I'm with them all, all day, if, if, that, if that's going well, then I'm generally happy, you know, and that's, yeah. that it would be affected if I had a problem. If, you, if you're at odds with your children or your wife or your staff, whatever, that's definitely going to make me unhappy. So I can see that well, the conclusion is, is correct. I'm happier for having you in my life, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, would I say the same? Maybe. It's hard work, isn't it? It's like the master teaching the pupil. It's like, um, I don't know. Um, it's trying to discuss matters with people with very, very low IQs like yourself. It's very difficult to get these, these concepts across. You're very patient with me. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, practicing patience is another another virtue. It's another another uh, thing that you need to do to be happy. Hey, should we, uh... should, we, should we talk about the Dalai Lama? You can talk about the Dalai Lama if you want. What are you going to talk about? So, so, um, well, hang on. I, before you start on this, when you start talking about me, um, mindfulness earlier, I would just wonder, do you ever wander around your acreage in your bare feet, just sort of taking in the beauty? No, that sounds like a, it's three acres, actually. Um, yeah, if... Uh, <laughs> the back garden 
Do I ever watch? You know, I've never thought about walking around the back garden barefoot or anything like that. Maybe it's in the summer, I, I do. It's, it's supposed to be a, a very healthy thing to walk barefoot on the lawn. But at the moment, it's quite muddy and cold, so I probably wouldn't do it now. But in the summer, <laughs> spring and summer, I'd love to. Yeah, that's a good idea. So, uh, and the Dalai Lama, go ahead. The, the, right, what, what, well, <laughs> when I think happiness, I think Dalai Lama, yes? Ooh. There's a book here that is really? The Art of Happiness, A Handbook for Living by His Holiness the Dalai Lama and Howard you, C. Cutler. You, uh, yeah, but do you really think the Dalai Lama when you think happiness? I think that he's a, a very clever bloke and that uh, we should listen to some of the things that he says. And I've shown you yeah, some no, of his I, I, So I'm, I'm, not, I like, I like I'm not a religious person. I don't uh, no. uh, practice Buddhism or, you know, or anything like that. But at the same time, um, you know, people that are very, very clever... Uh, I like to learn from. I mean, you know, people other than yeah. not not yourself or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> so so listen, the the art of happiness. Yeah, this book. Yeah. He talks about um, the the emphasis on compassion, uh, tolerance, yeah. and self discipline. And you know, it's it, it's it's yeah. he also uh, is very big on on saying that happiness is essentially the meaning of life. You know, that the, the purpose of life is to be happy is one of the things that he said. He said that uh, if you want to be happy, you need to practice <clears throat> compassion. Um, you know, we did a, we did a, a newsletter recently in November, and there was this um, uh, Benedictine monk that was giving a TED talk. Then he said, if you want to be happier, uh, practice gratitude. You know, and I was thinking, okay, uh, it's a very interesting TED talk, but um, I, I like the idea of, of uh, reminding myself, you know, what I'm grateful for. And the more you do that, that I think that it does, it will make you a happier person because it, it, it gets uh, it gets past the always wanting more, this concept of, of when I've got this bigger car or I earn this bonus or I go on holiday or I buy the bigger house and, and just being grateful for what you have now, even if that's not a lot, you know, that's more than some others do. It's part of that stoic mindset that there's always somebody worse off, if you like. Um, yeah, I completely agree 100% the gratitude thing, but I don't necessarily agree. You know, there's nothing wrong with wanting more. You know, I, I, you know, earning more, giving more, spending more—it's what makes the economy go round. Yeah, um, but you know, you're going to quote Wall Street now, aren't you? Where he says, uh, "Where uh, Gordon Gecko says greed is good." <laughs> <laughs> I bet you've got a picture of yeah. him on your wall, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But de 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 definitely gratitude. I get that. You know, live with an attitude of gratitude. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something. Yeah, something that but, we would sort but, of. Uh, Listen, I, I agree with you in that regard that it's not a bad thing to want more, but it depends what you want more of. You know, if you if you want more money and and you and that's your focus just to earn more, it, it can obviously it can often be the wrong goal because if you're doing something that you're really good at, um, you should be paid well for it. Money is a consequence of being very successful. It shouldn't be the purpose in itself. You know, so no. um, I it, it worries me, and I think that I've definitely had. Um, you know, been a, someone who's who's wanted uh, the fast car and the big house, and then and then when you've got them, you ask yourself, you think, oh, is am I do I feel better now? Do I feel good about it? And you, you remind yourself, think, oh, this is good. I'm successful, and I've I've uh, and and but actually, it, when it comes down to it, you you you've, you quickly realise it's not that. That doesn't drive happiness. It gives you it just because you got more doesn't mean you're happier. It might be for some that they've they've convinced themselves that that's the case, and they but but I don't I don't think it's a conclusion one one should reach. Um, no, no, the, the, it's that. Yeah, the, the interesting thing, that another thing that the Dalai Lama talks about is this concept of, of people generally creating their own suffering. 
that a lot of people uh, don't they they thrive on on misery. They they're not looking. They're not positive people. And that if you if you and also that if you've not experienced hardship and suffering, you can't recognize what happiness is. But if you long for things that you don't need and you make choices that benefit them benefit you only in the short term, then you sort of view your situation as quite negative. Whereas you know it's about um, transforming the way that you look at things and focusing on happiness rather than just pleasure and saying, well, right, okay, what things can I do to make me happier? Um, and, uh, you know, you can appreciate the small things in life. You know, I think that's one of the things I put down when I was trying to uh, decide myself what makes me happy um, and uh, what people can actually do because it's not a big thing, you know, just to take some time to appreciate. I like going for, for a dog walk. It makes me happy. You know, it's one of my intrinsic motivations. Um, and and uh, there's this concept of the three the three A's. You know, you can look for all these different acronyms and so forth. But um, I just did a bit of research for this podcast. There was this concept of, of awareness, action, and attitude. So awareness is about your thoughts and how they're ultimately responsible for happiness. You've got to allow yourself to be happy. Number one, the action, the A for action, is is how we spend our time. It's what you do with that time. And the attitude part is, is how you think. And so you've got to look within to be able to live your best life. You've got to reflect on, on what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, and how you can improve. So my two penny with that. Yeah. It's um, – no, I, I can agree with that. For me, I'm a real simple being, you know, and I think it's about having a vision bigger than your past and making sure you move more towards the things that you want to do. And if you take it to an extreme where someone is extremely unhappy, you know, every love story ends in tragedy. You know, they either die or they get they leave you. And it's really about the only way you're going to get over that. And I was saying to this divorcee, the only way you're going to get over that is by creating a more compelling vision of the future yeah. than you are yeah. presently seeing. Yeah. Um, and that is going to bring you, in my world, more happiness. And, and that's how we work with our clients. It's like, ask the question, how do you want to live the rest of your life? What haven't you yet done that you've always wanted to do? And this is done over a period of time. It's not just one meeting. It's ingrained through our whole process. So as a financial plan, any financial planners out there, or even listeners, you know, ask yourself, you know, how do you want to live the rest of your life? What is it? What is it you haven't yet done that you've always wanted to do? Where haven't you yet gone? And start building on this and then start taking more consistent action so you're moving more towards that. Um, and um, don't get too hooked up on the detail. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, so um, as well as okay. other things that you can do to become happier, right? If you're, if if it's if life is about making decisions, um, yep. you know, one of the things that are, I think a good financial planner will do with their clients is to help them make smart decisions, and not just decisions yep. about money, but but often life decisions. So we talked earlier on about how if someone's in a job that you've observed is making them miserable and you've got them to admit it, you know, even if yes. they're making lots of money, so what they're working hard, they're stressed. Uh, and then, then let's say they're not enjoying it and you, and you help them understand that they can move and you can build their confidence and talk to them about their assets and so forth. But as well as, as that, I don't know about yourself, but I, I've uh, had times in my past where I've had to remove myself from toxic relationships. And if you, if you, if you have people that, you know, whether it's at work or home that are, mood hoovers and sort of uh, always talking about negativity and, and drag you down into their sort of uh, pool of, of despair. You know, you've got to distance yourself from those people. You know, it's, it's the truth. If you want to be, go, go and hang out with people that are, that are happy, that are always yeah. fun. You know, you become Completely happy. Yeah. 
So yeah, 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 yeah. I completely agree on that. It's, it's infectious, right? It's infectious. Happiness is laughter. Those are the things. They are infectious. Yeah. You know, it's fun yeah. to be around fun people. I laugh at you a lot. <laughs> what what do you so, what do you make of this concept of, of, of gratitude? Yeah, do you practice gratitude? Yeah. Do you think about it yourself? I do. Yeah. I, I do, and um, I have a um, statement that I repeat in the mornings, and and the final line is live with an attitude of gratitude. Ooh, so um, I I can I, I completely agree. It is true. You know, I, I I'm a bit I'm a bit flippant by saying you know just focus on the future and stuff because I think that's something really something easy people can do. Um, but I'm very very mindful that if someone is sat listening to this and they're on the breadline and they've got very little money coming in, looking around and being grateful, it can sometimes be a little bit harder to do. Um, so therefore by creating a compelling vision of the future, a nice big bright image of what things look like in the future, and then start making plans, writing things down, the action steps you can take to move yourself towards it is something a little bit more tangible, I believe, um, that, you know, that you can do, but I completely agree with you. Attitude of gratitude. Definitely. Um, yeah. Do do you know, at the end of the, 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 the talks I've done, the, uh, Tanum talks, I I was thinking, how can I do a sign off for all of these talks? You know, something that I want to say to, to clients that's short and snappy to have them, um, just think about things a bit differently. And I came up with, uh, focus on happiness, plan for the future, live in the now. And, and, it's this again. It's trying to be as succinct as possible. If you if you if you overtalk something or you give too many uh, too much uh, of a verbose answer, which we're probably both doing here, you know, you can go away and think, oh, I don't know what to do next. But if if, if you just have very very simple steps, you know, if if you do do uh, change one's attitude and think about uh, things from within and focus on what it is that makes you happy, and as you said, write it down and have a plan. And that's our second point: plan for the future. But you shouldn't yeah. do that to the to the detriment of living life today and enjoying every moment um, because we're not getting any younger. You know, it's life's not a dress rehearsal. Um, it's we hope if you've got more than one go around, if it's the sort of Buddhist mentality and you get 10,000 lives, fantastic. But on the assumption that it's only one life, you've got to make the most of it, haven't you? And why be miserable if you can be happy? No, completely agree. Paul, moving on, shall we? I think we should. I think we should, yes. Um, two, two pennies worth. What's your two pennies worth for this uh, this episode, Mister Shoot? I've got I've got one of each. I've got got a book, but it's a thing, really. Um, and ha- John, I spend the only downside I believe about the type of business that we run. So the financial planning practice is it we sit down a lot. Yeah. Okay. True. We just sat on our chair. I'm sat down here on the podcast over that. Um, so um, all my staff, ironically, have sit stand desks. Did okay, they? but because. I- yeah, yeah, they've all got sit-stand. But I know in my office, because I got matching meeting desk and stuff like that, it wasn't a sit-stand. I've had it so long. It just wasn't a sit-stand. And we, I'm part of a study group, and we're actually meeting tomorrow. They're called the Trusted Advisor Group, TAG. And um, we meet several times a year, two or three times a year, around each other's office. And we were in um, Holland, Hunt and Will's office down in uh, Kingston, yeah, Pontem, I, I remember. Yeah. Really good. And I was wandering around the office, and Amir worked there. And I walked through his office, and he had on his desk a sit-stand desk it was like an extension so i was like that's such a great idea so as soon as i got back from there i bought exactly the same one and i have it on here and i just wanted to share that with people that it's an absolute great invention it's a great purchase and i love it the next lead on from that is i'm now looking at a desk treadmill now i haven't got one (laughs) 
just hey look do you know what? if i don't my house is so close to my office if i don't go and do a walk or something yeah. i'll end up loading like two or three thousand steps in a day yeah i think that's that's terrible they say that being sat down seated now is the is the new sugar you know it's like you want to you want to get out of it so um if anyone listening uses a uh, desk treadmill got any feedback for us please drop in the notes drop me a message i'd really appreciate it um it's my next consideration as a purchase Warren, what's it called what's the word called when you when you sat down a lot i told you this when we and you never thought it was true sedentary no sedentary no sedentary sedentary not sedate we're not sedating each other you know not sedating it's sedentary to be sedentary anyway yeah so so it's, i told you you're so clever you've got to get up haven't you every half an hour maybe it's every 20 minutes yeah. half an hour. you've got to get in the zone and if you do sometimes you're at your desk for 45 minutes to an hour but if you're there a lot longer typing on the phone whatever yeah you do get it's easy posture, to do bad it's back so um it's easy to so your top your two pennies with your top tip here is to go and buy a, a sit um stand desk sit, yeah sit down desk definitely if you've already got a desk that you have with you can just get extensions that go on top and that's exactly what i've got i think it was uh, uh, donald rumsfeld he's well, definitely one of the uh an american politician who's um who you always used to work standing up um Oh, really? And yeah, and I've seen that before where they have randomly a treadmill underneath the desk. I mean, wow, how I'm not sure I could do that on a walking while you're trying to type and the treadmill's going underneath and you're trying to drink. Oh, I don't I don't think you I don't think you do it all day. I think you would do it. So for example, I was on a call with a client who's over in Spain. I could have just been on a treadmill walk, I was on it for like half an hour or so and just did half an hour walk around chatting away to him. Yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. Or maybe even just checking my emails or just read. I do a lot of reading. So maybe even when I'm reading. Get a dog. Uh, and you get out in the morning. You get an hour's walk. Get three miles in. You get 8,000 steps in that way. Yeah. 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 It's a good idea. It's a good idea. Anyway, that's my uh, one of the, I got. I got an app as well. Um, oh, go on then. But, well, let's, uh, say, let's say your app recommendation. So my app recommendation is I, I plan for the future a lot. You know, living intentionally. Everything I talk about, I do myself. I don't BS it. And um, having outcomes and goals in the future, it's nice to get some sort of reality check on them. We, so need, a dig, a, we, need, a dong, we need a gong every time you say outcomes and goals. We need a, a gong. We do. And, okay, and, I've got, and that yeah, makes okay. sense. You need to pass the, the, the Riverside sort of uh, uh, okay. the, the drop, I will drops do it. over to me. All right. You can swap. We'll swap next time. Um, so I anyway, know my app recommendation is the countdown app. So I have a countdown app on my phone. And it has various things happening in the future. Mine actually goes up to my 100th birthday. Um, and it tells me how many days, weeks, months there are until that event. So uh, it's a great app. It's fantastic. You can put you could put your own clients in there, uh, events in there for them. So you could remind them. You could get your clients to even use yourself. I don't do it that way. I use it for myself very selfishly. Is, is Carol Vorderman um, the, uh, the voice of it? No, no, um. no. But that would be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> 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 Um, but, um, but no, it's good. It's good. So I have things on there like, you know, um, Isabella leaving school, um, when I go, when I, on my 50th birthday, um, things like that. So, um, okay. yeah, that's excellent. I'll, uh, I might, uh, I might look into that. I don't know. It sounds, it sounds like the, uh, the sand's running out of an hourglass, doesn't it? With the, when you talk about it, like, like that, the number of days you've got left and the, the planning out of the future. Yeah, but Sometimes think, it's, do, I you, think, do you want to plan everything out for the rest of your life? No, you don't want to press that, plan everything out, but you kind of want key events. And I think there has to be an element of urgency. Yeah. We live in this life where we think we'll do it tomorrow. And tomorrow, we may not be privileged to have a tomorrow. It's like, get off your ass and let's go and do it today. 
It's like the best analogy I was given about life expectancy was a was a meter ruler. And so he said, look at a meter ruler and let's mark out your age from zero to wherever you are now. So I'm 50. So half of it's gone already. And then they said, well, mark out the last 20 centimeters because not being funny when you're 80, 90, you're not as active as you are. So you've got that much of your meter ruler left, you know, go and enjoy it, go and do stuff with it. So I, I try and do the, as much of these things as I can to, um, make me, um, enjoy life. Very good. Very good. So I've got a couple of, uh, two pennies worth um okay. recommendations so uh, uh my wife and i've been watching griselda on netflix uh we're on just on a couple of episodes in with S- sofia vergara um it is really totally up my street i i love it it's to do with a uh, lady a woman that comes over from colombia you know it's to do with drug dealing she's moved to miami there's some cool cars there's great there's pretty good acting in it and i love the uh because it's in the in the 70s or something it's um some of, some of the fashion is just tremendous, you know, the open shirts and, and the, uh, uh, the, the, the the flares and so forth, you know, but some of the cars as well in Miami, just from old American old boats, you know, they look brilliant. Um, and we were trying to find some, I don't know about you, but I get this this, this sense of, uh, of, 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 of worry and, and anxiety if I finish a decent, uh, you know, uh, box out or something on, on, on Netflix and then there's nothing else to watch and you're flicking through the telly and you're asking everybody what's good at the uh, moment uh, and we, ended, okay, we just... ended up watching another episode of Virgin River oh my god shoot me it was just the worst <laughs> and we thought I can't possibly watch any more of this garbage so Griselda watch that on Netflix um, Griselda yeah, yeah yeah it's actually <laughs> Griselda should we talk about the anxiety you get when you get to the end of a box set? Or? I do. I do. You know, if you're watching something, a series that you really like or something like that, and it finishes and you're like, oh, my Lord, what do we watch now? Um, it's... Oh, okay. That's fantastic. So um, second thing, I've been, uh, I started to say reading a book. I've been listening to a book via Audible called, uh, well, it's, it's Elon Musk's biography by Walter Isaacson. And it's, wow, it's a, it's a long, it's a long listen. It's over 20 hours. So I'm, I'm about 11 hours in. And I just find it fascinating. The man himself, yeah. you know, like him or loathe him, the, 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 the story, the, the things that he's done, the places he's been, the businesses that he's set up, the upbringing in Pretoria and South Africa and then, then moving to the States. It's fascinating. I just, it's really up my street. And it's, uh, I was listening to him in the car driving to Wales to the Breta Brecon and back, you know, it's taking three and a half, four hours, listening both ways. Um, so, so I would uh, recommend that to anybody. And if you yeah. if you find very very thick, long thousand pound books, um, not thousand pound, thousand page books, um, a bit too much to take, then just listen to it on Audible. Um, it's uh, it's totally worth it. Um, yeah, it's did, um, yeah. Have you have you read it, or is it something? Is it your? I did. Yeah, I got. I don't know if it's the same one, but I got an, um, a biography um, on him when I got my first car. My wife got it for me, and um, I read most of it. Um, particularly the early days and stuff like that. It was very, very good. Yeah, impressive guy. Yeah. And uh, reminds me, there's a, there's a great um, YouTube, uh, not YouTube, uh, uh, TED Talk about his wife, oh, yeah. um, which you can watch. And she says something along the lines of the two things that you probably know, you know, don't know or don't see with Elon is he said no more than anybody else I've ever met. Um, and he worked harder than anybody else I've ever met. Uh, and they, she puts that down to the secret of success. And I can see it. He's a bright guy. But he just knew exactly what he wanted to do. Just worked yeah. his butt off. Oh, it's it's, um, it's it's to the nth degree. I mean, sleeping at the office, working hundred hour weeks, you know, um, and being uh, obsessive, absolutely about it. But the uh, 
it, it's it's inspiring because of his is yeah. how obsessive he is about something you know to try and create space travel and to get to mars and you know when he built spacex to, to take satellites into orbit um with reusable rockets and then of course everybody now knows about tesla but there were times when it had no money it was going to shut and you just think how did it yeah. develop um and now you know we own a tesla you've got a tesla i have you know it's absolutely a pretty good electric car um so pretty good it's, it's, um, it's also awesome it, it, it is it's good it's, it's so far ours hasn't broken <laughs> it's really or set, <laughs> or set on fire or anything that people that you read in the media it's actually a pretty good pretty good car um i today do you know what i had today i had a nurse come around and took had a, had a blood test i decided i'm gonna get blood test from medicheck i've done it previously with driver and just wanted to make sure everything's okay and if not you know i was gonna uh, i'm sure everything'll be fine but i've had a, a psa test you know because of that age now where you have to test these things um and make sure you've not got any issue with your prostate or anything like that so um good on it i'm just uh, taking responsibility yeah. and uh, uh last time when i got the last one done with thriver another uh, company that does this sort of stuff you know you get the results in two or three days and there's there's, there's sometimes things that are uh, mid-range if you like where you think you know cholesterol is higher than it should be or you know, there's a uh, liver function isn't the best. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, that yeah. means I need to drink drink less and need to you know, get more rest and whatever it is. I do some more exercise. Um, yeah. So no, it's essential. So it is. Yeah, it is. Look after yourself is the, is the key there. What? What? Have you got any decent quotes or anecdotes for me? Happiness is everything, and love is the rest. I think that wraps up the show, did, right? Did it's Warren like, Shute say that, or did uh, who said that? I think I did say that. I googled it and I couldn't find it attributed to anyone. So um, I'm not. Hey, do you know what? I'm not precious. It, somebody else said it. It doesn't bother me. But I did Google it before I came on the show. Think I, I like that quote. Who did that? And I couldn't say, find it. Say anyone. it again. Say it again. Love is everything, and happiness. Sorry, happiness is everything, and love is the rest. Very good. Happiness. Is Love is the rest. I like that. Yeah. I, uh, nice. um, being a, a quotes guy, I've got a couple of quotes on happiness. Would you like to hear them, Warren? I would love to hear them. So um, I've got one from Albert Schweitzer. Uh, he said, success is not the key to happiness. Happiness is the key to success. If you love what you're doing, you'll be successful. And I thought, you know what? I love that. Yeah. yeah um, I like that. Yeah, yeah that's good. And uh, I'll only use uh, one of the 17 that I've got, uh, others here. I'll, I'll, tell, I'll say one other from a Greek Stoic philosopher called Epictetus. Um, there's only one way to happiness, and that is to cease worrying about things which are beyond the power of our will. And, yeah, we, we talk about it a lot. Control what you can and don't worry about the rest. So um, yeah. I'm, big, I'm a big, big fan of that as well. So uh, um, we do wish all of our... For listeners, uh, happiness <laughs> um, and prosperity for the future and so forth. But but it's important to focus on your own happiness and the happiness of, of others um, because you think, what else? What's the point otherwise, quite frankly? Absolutely, because it's contagious, right? Definitely. So, you know, living intentionally, design your own life, be congruent, be happy, have a plan, and then you can help other people. Definitely. It's, um, Put on you your know, own oxygen you mask first. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, good catch up with Paul. Lovely to speak to you again. Yeah, that, until I next think time. That's a wrap, isn't it? So until next time, think... um, goodbye and uh, good night. See you guys. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us for today's discussion. If you're enjoying this show, please subscribe to our podcast. It's a great way to support us. 
If you have questions or comments about this podcast or topics you'd like to suggest for the show, please put these in the comments section on YouTube. Remember, if you find yourself humming our theme song for the next week, it's not a sign of brainwashing, it's just a testament to our awesomeness, or possibly a mild earworm. Consult a doctor if symptoms persist. This show is designed to be informational only and does not constitute investment or financial advice. Please contact a regulated financial advisor before taking any specific action.